Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 378. Think twice before you restore a car because a lot of cars don't really need a full restoration. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. 2015 marks Covercraft's 50th anniversary. They've manufactured premium quality exterior and interior covers here in the United States with a reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit with over 80,000 patterns and growing. You can choose from dozens of fabric options and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicle. Made in the USA, Covercraft is the right choice. I've protected my special rides with their covers for over 40 years, and you should too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Lee Kino. Lee, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am. I am, Mark. I'm all ready. I've got my five-point harness here. It's on. I think I've got it just about ready. (laughs) And I've got my Hans device uh, hooked up to my helmet. Those things are uh, hard to move. You had to might save my life, right? I'm ready. Well, I'll I'll promise I will not take us into any walls so that Hans device will not be needed (laughs) during this talk. I'll be a very careful driver, all right? Appreciate that. You're welcome. Lee Kino is the co-CEO of the Kino Brothers Fine Automobile Auctions. Rolling Sculpture, the New York City auction, is their inaugural event that takes place on November 19th at Skylight Clarkson Square in New York City. Lee and his brother Leslie are internationally recognized experts in their field. You'll recognize them from their years on the TV show Antiques Roadshow. These identical twins are bringing their expertise from decades of work in the arts and antiques world to the collector automobile world. They judge at events including the Pebble Beach Concorde Elegance, and they speak at classic car symposiums across the country, advising collectors and institutions. Lee has restored, raced, and collected historic cars throughout his life and served on numerous boards, along with authoring books and articles. So, Lee, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little bit more about your career and your passion for automobiles? Well, thank you, Mark. First of all, thanks for having me on, and it'll be a fun ride, I think. I think so. (laughs) I think one way to put it is that my brother and I, I think people do know us from the Antiques Roadshow, those of whom uh, watch that on PBS, but we're passionate, certainly, about antiques and art, but believe it or not, we are car guys first. Mm-hmm. We got bitten by the, we got the the, the disease, you know, we're car nuts. <laughs> and, uh, and you know how it is. I was talking to somebody the other day, you're either are or aren't, you know, it's either you glaze over or you just say, oh my gosh, I could 
do this all day. And, uh, oh, yeah. You know, and we grew up in upstate New York with a dad who was such a total car nut and still is. Cool. Yeah, I just talked with him, in fact, today. We had Jaguar XK120s, 140s, and um, oh, my. an E-Type uh, that we bought at the age of 16. And we actually bonded over Bondo. That sounds corny. But that's <laughs> I like that. Very thing. nice. With our dad after school, we spent a few hours. That car, which my brother still we still own together today. My brother, I'm very jealous. It's it's in his garage. Because <laughs> I, but we, uh, you know, we fixed the fender. We we worked on the the floor mats. To help dad with the engine, and uh, it's still going. Cool. And, and 1963 uh, E Type, but it was this combination of being surrounded with between going to antique shows and looking for treasures, hunting for treasures. We would spend a typical day on a Saturday. We'd jump onto, the, onto our motorcycle, and we had a motocross across the street from our house that we built. And uh, we'd go off looking for falling down barns and dig up the hand-wrought hinges, the handles and, oh, yeah. and the hinges, then talk to the to the owner of the property and about buying them. And, and the thing that we really appreciated about those is they were beautiful forms, usually wrought on an anvil. And then we'd come back, and also I'd say that we might spend the afternoon going to look for antiques such as salt clay stoneware with these great forms all made by hand. You know, we might spend part of the day with our father working on the fender of his of an 810 cord, uh, supercharged cord, or is, um, <laughs> cool. the connection there really is big in the sense that we appreciate hand craftsmanship. Mm-hmm. And uh, the idea that a fender was hammered out of aluminum and a buck um, or steel and made aerodynamic, you know, and ended up being rolling sculpture, really. I always say, you know, in the process of making a form on wheels to go very fast, they ended up creating beautiful sculpture. Yes. And that's how we have, we've always called the, the great, great cars rolling sculpture. My brother will probably say the same thing about this, that we had an idyllic upbringing because what's better than, than having go-karts? That we, had, we had a go-kart track as well, snowmobiles, so Willie's Jeep, even the tractor, anything on wheels we were driving. So <laughs> it was, we loved four-wheel drifts. By the time years later, when we actually got out uh, under the racetrack and went to Skip Harbor up in Lime Rock in our 30s and ended up racing, vintage racing, it was just a natural transition. So it was, uh, we were quickly getting into the, at, at speed around the corner to four-wheel drift, and it just reminded me of being in the go-kart, right? Yeah. Same thing. Absolutely. And that evolved into, later on, we bought a 1985-12 uh, BBLM, it was owned by the Gellers brothers, and it was uh, and raced at uh, Daytona. And uh, it's a twenty only only five twelve BBLM actually to actually finish the twenty four hours of Daytona. Wow! But that was fun to just go to historic Ferrari Challenge events and just play around with other other guys. They had five twelves, and of course, once in a while you'd be put in the same race with the Ferrari GTO and have to say, "Oh, I gotta be careful going around that guy." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't want to run into a guy in a Ferrari GTO. That's no, for sure. No. Well, you no. and your brother have had, as you say, an idyllic upbringing. We're going to learn more about those things and your personal passions for cars, and of course, a lot about this this new event that you've got coming up next week in New York City, your auction. But first. I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote, some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life, and it's a really great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So, Lee, take the wheel. One 
thing that I have always had in my head, and I tell my son, I told him today, that is that if you do what you love, you never have to work a day in your life. Ah, yes. Yeah, it hasn't been hard for us because always been around antiques and, and loved, loved art and antiques, and we're passionate about cars, so it's I've never been happier. We're, uh, I hate to say it, but we're 58 years old and starting this new business, even though we've been in the, and I've run an auction house for, for six years now that I started, you know, and I worked at Christie's and Leslie was at Sotheby's, but this is, it wasn't with cars exclusively. We've mm-hmm. always been around cars. We've judged and all that, but doing something that we're this passionate about every day that I come down to my desk, I feel guilty that I'm <laughs> so, I'm so happy <laughs> making a living. <laughs> well, you know, there's no guilt here at all. And this is what Cars yeah is all about is inspiring automotive enthusiasts. And, you know, we're sitting here talking for our listeners. We're sitting here talking on a Sunday afternoon. Most people are taking the day off and playing. Well, we're having fun with what we're doing, too. We're talking about cars. We're talking about doing things we love. And that great quote is a, a quote usually applied to Henry Ford, which uh, right. makes some that's sense. Right. Yeah. So uh, I think that's a great mantra, a great quote. One thing that I just, the biggest thing I live by, my father said this once, if you tell the truth, you never have to, to, to remember what you said. <laughs> my mom taught <laughs> me that one. <laughs> yeah, really, yes. You know, and and that I'd almost rather use that because the passion part is, is certainly a given. It's like just, it's, it's wonderful. I mean, yeah. It's great. But, but something that I live by every day is to just be totally transparent, honest, and that's how I've lived, done everything I've done is, is by being straightforward and honest and keeping one's word yes and, uh, and no. also being there if there if things don't go right if there's something that has to be taken care of i think that's when you find out what what someone's really made of yes if they're, whether or not they're there when when a client needs you after the deal's done it's the way you handle challenges like that so lee what i'd love to do now is crawl under the hood as i always say and get our hands a little dirty and ask you to take us down some roads that you've traveled that were real challenges or even a great failure that you've faced along the way in your career. But the most important part of this question is, how did you overcome that situation and what did you learn from it? I think that's a great question. Uh, it really is, uh, Mark. I remember a time just after the internet, the first internet bubble, I remember Leslie and I, we had a, a deal, an agreement with a uh, company and it was, it was called Antiques America, and it was a, a great guy that ran it. And we had an actual deal set up, and we thought it would just go on forever. It's just like, uh, you know, <laughs> the faucet would be turned on. And yep. then I bought a townhouse here on 69th Street. My mortgage was, I don't know, 25000 a month or something, and uh, just a mortgage. And then you have a, I had a young son, and it was like two years old, and, you know, yeah. all those things. And all of a sudden, I think about, it was about a year into it, you know, or so, and um, the company just decided they couldn't find a way to make money, even though it was a great company, and the faucet was turned off. So, Ooh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I was... Actually, I, I also had the business going on, my antique business, my art business, which continued onward. But that amount of money we were receiving per month kind of covered my mortgage 
three months, and uh, all of a sudden I remember calling my dad and, and saying, Dad, uh, believe it or not, it's over. You know, yeah. it's uh, I'm going to do the antiques. And, and my father said, sell the townhouse, you know, uh, you know, like that. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, I said, Dad, I'll, I'll be out of the, with a cop on the street asking for money to uh, before I sell the townhouse. So I said, you know, nobody's going to help you here. You have to just do it yourself. So yeah. I'm very much driven. I think Leslie is also, and also it's, it, it is easier when you when it's your passion. So I was dealing just in the antiques and art and as a private dealer, I amped it up, you know, yeah. and made sure that I made that mortgage payment every month and made that all the other payments and got everything, kept my family um, afloat. And, uh, you know, of course, it was the, I, I never would have even thought of selling the house, but, you know, it was a, it was a great challenge. Uh, I did other things. I adjusted. There's a great little book called the Who Moved My Cheese. Oh, gosh, yes. I'm very aware of that book. Yes, Who oh, Moved yeah, My Cheese. Know, they, so move that cheese. So those two little mice that went to a room that's filled with cheese, mm-hmm. and one day the room went dry. Yep. Right? As you know, and uh, one mouse kept going back to that room, and it's like banging your head against the wall. Wait, there's no cheese here. Yeah. The other mouse, of course, as you know, found another room of cheese by taking another route and doing some digging and some searching, and then he, he found another room of cheese. So I, I went searching for that other room of cheese, and, and happily, through hard work and perseverance and keeping true to my word in every deal that I did, it's it's worked out. And where we are now, Leslie and myself and our COO, Bradley Farrell, is in building this company, is it just seems to be the fruition of, of everything that we've done all our lives. It's a wonderful story, and it's a great lesson about your ability to pivot when things change. And that book you're talking about is very near and dear to my heart. It's it's written by Spencer Johnson. And the book was something that I mentioned. Uh, my son, Blake, interviewed me on my 300th show here at Cars yeah. And I mentioned that book because uh, things somebody had moved my cheese. I had to reinvent myself, and that's how Cars yeah came to be. So uh, I'm really happy mm. that you mentioned that book. Great story, Lee. I love it. Oh, great. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share one of those career aha moments. I like to say it's a time when the headlights came on and illuminated your way for this new direction you had in your business. It could be this new direction you have right now. And tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into your success. Well, thank you for asking that. I'm trying to think at what point it was that I actually said, listen, I love antiques and art. I'll always love it. We're continuing to do the antiques roadshow to, to volunteer on the roadshow. The company name will just be different under my name. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of saying Kino Auctions, it'll, it'll say Kino Brothers Fine Automobile Auctions. And people will probably say, what? Did I, I only get put my glasses on, you know? What, <laughs> yeah. what did I just read? What are these guys up to? <laughs> right, right. Because when, uh, when we're judging a Pebble Beach or Amelia or, or in one of the auctions, they say, Where, where's the furniture? I don't see furniture right. around here. What are, you, what are you doing here? <laughs> and then I, I tell them we're car guys first, and they go, really? My gosh. So I think that aha moment for me was when I had an auction in January of this year, mm-hmm. the last auction that I had, and it was a major, major sale for me. It was only, uh, I think there were only 20 lots. But it, it, it brought a, a, good, a good sum of money with, with Alexander Calder sculptures um, and Ruth Asawa, this California artist who they sell our works in the evening sales at, at Christie's mm-hmm. in Sotheby's now, uh, along with Glitchensteins and Pollocks and Warhols. And uh, I had one great work by her. And the thing is, I said, this is wonderful. But at the same time, we had just started, my brother and I, within the last year, a private equity fund the historic motor car investment fund and i was comparing the two and saying 
what would I rather be doing for a job? Would I rather do cars all the time or uh, continue with antiques and art, which I love also? Mm. And we, I just decided. I said, you know, I hope I'll, I'll be around for another 100 years, but it's highly unlikely. <laughs> I said, so, you know, <laughs> when you look at the, uh, I always say the toilet paper roll looks really big at the beginning, but once you get down past the, the first two, two-thirds, it, it goes quickly. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, you know, I want to use the the, the the end of that role doing something I totally, totally love, and, and that's vintage cars. We closed the the first fund because we bought the cars, and, and then about that time we ran into a couple of guys and started talking about doing this auction, and I saw that when I go to an auction, I, we learn so much We've, from going to car auctions all our lives and from being an auctioneer about how we'd like to do things mm -hmm. that will be inspirational even to other people. And we were so excited about applying everything that we've learned about in life and in cars and what people to work with to an auction house. Mm -hmm. So people say, you know, there are a lot of auction houses out there doing the same thing, so to speak, selling cars. But the thing is, I told them that, yes, but we're going we're gonna to do it differently. We're going to do it a new way. And and uh, when people come to our auction, they're going to see. And I, I just think I get inspired about that. And I think that our whole team that works at the company is really excited every time. It's not just a job. They get the vision mm -hmm. that we have, the yeah. vision of being transparent, honest, and all that, and straightforward about everything. Very cool. I love it. Great. Wonderful aha moment for sure. I love the toilet paper roll analogy. That's the first year on Cars, yeah, but uh, I think we all get it. How about proudest career moments? I would assume you've had many. Uh, you and your brother, Leslie, have done so many great things. You've represented incredible works of art and furniture and antiques and cars, of course. But is there one moment in particular, a proud moment for you that really stands out? Well, it's very, it's very nice for you to ask that, and I, I feel um, immodest, I think, to talk about it, but that's the point, I guess, is to talk about what we are, we're proud of. I think but what I was proud of is when we won the National Humanities Medal, and, and we went with our family to the Oval Office at the White House. And, oh, uh, wow. Yeah, and, and the president presented us with that, and um, it was hard to cut it in half. They had to, they had to <laughs> use a saw, really, really metal saws. You know, your, really, brother's, your you and your brother are tugging at that. It's mine. No, it's yeah, mine. Yeah, we're tugging. <laughs> right, right. It's cut right down the middle. It look, it doesn't look too bad, but you get, <laughs> you get to have, I got to have. They actually did step up and really give us each one, in all seriousness. But yeah, so it was, no, but it was a special moment, and... President Bush that presented the award, and he, um, of course, they have twin daughters. Yeah. Have twin daughters. Ah, and, perfect. Yeah, I remember him and uh, Bonnie with my with my dad because uh, um, they both can share the the twin stories. You know? Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, having twin. Well, that's awesome. Well, what a spectacular moment! Congratulations to you and your brother Leslie. Well, thank you. The medal was for educating uh, America about history and about preservation, which we care deeply about. Absolutely fantastic. Well. Let's have a little bit of fun here, Lee. I know you talked about when you were a kid, you and your brother had that car together, that first Jaguar. And I always like to ask my guests, what was your first really special car? Doesn't mean it's your first car, but the one that was really, really special for you. Was it that Jaguar or was there another vehicle? I think the, the most exciting car, I think, and it's going to be interesting, it'll be interesting to see what my brother says because, um, because we, we did buy some cars before we started the private equity fund, which was focused on purchasing cars. Mm -hmm. So 
before the fun started, and my brother actually saw the ad for it, and he, he's going to remind me for the rest of our, for the rest of his life, for my <laughs> life. <laughs> he's the one that found the ad. Yeah. I said, yeah, but I paid for uh, half of it. So there you yeah, go. Said, there yep, you go. Right. It's a team so, um, team program here, you know. <laughs> team program, right, right, right. But it was a uh, 1970. To uh, Isogrifo Series Two with the big engine, the big Chevy engine, the nice. 454, yeah. and uh, they made 20 of them. They made 24 in total of the Series Two, and uh, 20 had the big block. Nice. It's such a gorgeous car, and it was at a small bankruptcy sale. Unfortunately, other people did find out about it, but it, I think we still were going to buy it because we were just focused on getting that car because it has the original interior and carpets and, and it had been touched up in areas. We assumed at first it was repainted and then we were going to do paint tests on it, and uh, it, which is what we're doing at our auction house is bringing science into it by doing paint tests, mm-hmm. paint analysis, mm-hmm. having the scientists actually test to see whether the paint is of the period or repainted. So the areas that have been touched up will show under a UV light, which actually, just like on a painting, put the light on it, and and the areas that have been touched up on, let's say, a portrait will glow kind of a deep purple or a light purple, depending on when the painting was done, when the end painting was done, the restoration. And we plan to do that with cars. But we actually had it out at Pebble Beach because it was on the West Coast, Mm And we saw for the first time, we had a friend go to look at it that knows ESOs, and uh, we drove it around Pebble this year and, and had a great time. Nice, nice. How about seller's remorse? Now, this has got to be a really interesting question for you. <laughs> I asked all my guests, is there a vehicle that you sold that you really wish you had back in the garage? And let me preface this by not because it's worth more, because we know there's a, you know, the right. car market right now is going crazy with values. Right. I mean, it's just ridiculous. But... A car that you just wish you had back because of the emotion that was tied to it or the passion you had for it? Well, I'll tell you, that's a great question. And it actually is not a car that I sold, but a car that our dad sold. Mm-hmm. My dad is my only hero, and he's coming down for the auction. And Leslie and I both look up to him so much. But I don't know what was going through his head, but he uh, he sold our, our college car, a one XK120 uh, coupe, which had our Hamilton and Williams College stickers on the back window. Oh, my goodness. And uh, <laughs> we shared it, you know, and, and uh, I have such memories from that. And had the original interior and all that, and he sold it within it was about eight years ago, eight or nine years. And we so when he told us, I and he told us like it wasn't a big thing, and he just and then he kind of realized I probably should have called you guys. Yeah, first. I think so. You know, oh man, that's the car just because it's not necessarily valuable, but it's just valuable to yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. So no, you answered you answered that perfectly. That's what I was looking for. So uh, yeah. I like to ask this next question is about current projects, and I know your current project right now is this upcoming auction taking place on the 19th of November in New York City titled Rolling Sculpture, and you guys are going to have a wide variety of marks available for bidders, including Ferraris, Lamborghinis, Porsche, and some really unique cars like the Alvis, the Stutz, the Bugatti, but what more can you tell our listeners about this inaugural event that you and Leslie are putting on with the uh, fantastic team, including Bradley Farrell, who was a guest just yesterday on the show. Yes, Bradley's great. Uh, I met Bradley at uh, Chowder Club lunch that uh, a group of car guys get together every uh, first Tuesday of the month. And I called my brother after lunch and uh, I called him. I said, I just, we just met the COO of our, of our company we're building. And uh, sure enough, of course, he's now the COO. But 
family probably talked about the ease that people will have. Yes, yeah, um, the technology you know, aspect. Will, will agree in the technology, right? And he probably talked about this touching the pad that you get when, when you yeah. walk in. Up yeah, it was very cool. <laughs> on the wall, yeah, and that's great. And I think that the fact that each car has is displayed as a sculpture, and each is going to look beautiful in the with the lights and, and the platform, can actually, everything that we know, potential bidder is going to know, that mm-hmm. the buyer is going to know. And that's the biggest thing, I think, is that we love the research aspect of a car. Like, for instance, there are a couple of cars, a few cars in sale, which have been at auction within the last even five years. And since then, there's so much more that we turned up about the car. People look at it completely differently. We might have a special announcement about this, so I don't want to get too much into it, but on the on the Daytona, which Ferrari had Deanna prepare for the 1971 Le Mans competition, uh, there was, it was raced by Luigi Kennedy Jr. in that race. So there's a lot of this information that was there, the, the check from Kennedy to Ferrari, written in 1971, and all the documents from Ferrari sending on the bills from Deanna to prepare this Daytona for racing. But it turns out that this Daytona is actually the, and it says right there on the Ferrari document, this is the car that convinced them, Ferrari, to have people prepare their cars for racing. And that's the reason that four Daytonas went out in 1973, I think it was, but when they reached 500 cars, you know, they needed to reach 500 cars to have a Group 4, mm-hmm. you know, the Group 4 designation for the car. So once they did that, these four, Daytonas went out. There were, you know, privateers that went out, like Pazzi and Kennedy and different privateers, because Ferrari never produced the Daytona competition themselves. They mm-hmm. actually, okay. they, but they would bill people and probably add their, their commission, you know, a commission on for the work done on the car. The bill, at least the bills we had, were from Ferrari, but note that Deanna did the work and all that. But the, and we have that written out in a much more clear way than I just described it. And there's a very clear chronology. And what it does is it explains the importance of this particular car versus just a year ago when it was up at auction. So, yeah, so this, this is the list on the list is number one. It's chassis one, two, four, six, seven. Nice. And, and, and great, really great people like uh, Harley Cluxton, who is somebody you definitely should have on the show if you can, who actually raced to Daytona all through, actually in 69, and then in, uh, you know, all through the early 70s. And he owned this car twice, Harley Cluxton. Wow. Who's really a, a great guy, just a generous person. And we talked to him almost two hours on the phone about the car, about the period, about how Ferrari was dealing with Kennedy. Amazing stuff. And then, of course, we have really from Coco Kennedy himself, from the man who drove this car to fifth place in the 1971 Le Mans after the car was delivered by trailer from Marinello to Le Mans. We have that bill for the shipping. So the cool thing is you have Coco saying, yeah, I remember when they, when it came off the truck for Marinello, you know, like I remember the day it came off. So unless you do that extra homework and, and extra and put it all together, which is what Leslie and I have loved doing all of our lives, Leslie saw the beast and me at Christie's and then on my own. Unless you do that, you don't have the real story. I do want to mention and, and thank uh, Marcel Messini, who has been wonderful, and we've used his chronology as well. He's just uh, been wonderful, just a great guy. Yeah, it's a spectacular car. I mean, this is a car that 
race, the 24-hour Le Mans in 71, I believe, the six hours of Daytona in 72, 12 hours of Sebring, same year, six hours Watkins Glen. I mean, it just, the history of this vehicle is absolutely spectacular. And that's what I love about what you guys are doing about this is that history, the research, the confidence that the buyer will have that, okay, this is what I'm buying. I know what I'm getting. So fantastic. I love it. Thank you. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Lee. I love this question. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? <laughs> that's right. I know it's funny. It's funny. That's a great question. It's great. Actually, if I were a car, we mentioned Easter Griefos. Uh, you know, it happens to match up. I really would love, I'd be an Easter Griefo. You're right. Nice. You'd have that beautiful Italian body work. It's kind of like a, you know, you'd be like, a, although I'm, I'm, I'm not a model, not with my nose. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's speak in terms of a, of a woman. So, you know, a woman, there we go. beautiful body and all that great curves, all that, all that great stuff. And then underneath this, you know, in the, the, power. the case of our car, a seven-liter, you know, this beast of a, you know, car. Yeah. That I like because, and I like the idea that it's all, it's really American Detroit steel. So I'd probably um, want to do that because you've, then you've got good old American heart and soul, and uh, you just, you happen to be wearing a very expensive Italian suit. There you, you know, go. Right? That's so, perfect. I think that's a great answer. I really appreciate that fun. Sure. Lee is an ESO Griffo. I like that. So Lee, up next is what I call the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor. Metrovac has been manufacturing and providing quality automotive vacuums and blowers since 1939. I've used their portable vacuum and blowers for over 15 years in my garage on my cars, motorcycles, around my home, and you should too. Their Air Force Master Blaster Revolution is my go-to tool every time I wash and detail my vehicles. Powered by two twin-fan 4.0 peak horsepower motors, the Master Blaster delivers up to 58,000 feet per minute of clean, warm, dry, filtered air. Dry your car without a towel and avoid those nagging micro-scratches. Perfect for the wheels, engines, motorcycles, and all those frustrating water traps in trim, door jams, and seals. Check out all of Metrovac's quality products, deliberately made better in the USA. Metrovac is the right choice. Learn more today at Metrovac.com. Use discount code CARSYEAH20 and you'll get 20% off your first order. That's right, 20% off. Details at CARSYEAH.com sponsors. All right, Lee, we're back and we're entering the last lap. You're a racer. You know what this means. The white flag is out. And that means we got to put our foot into it, the pedal to the metal. I'm going to fire off a series of questions here and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers to that ESO Grifo engine, okay? <laughs> you ready? Yeah. All right. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? I think the best advice I got was from Tony Wong, is a collector and a friend, and he said, make sure that the cars that you're racing have been manufluxed and been really taken care of all the parts because you're, you're racing a car that's built, let's say, in 1959, but we're racing with better fuel, better rubber, yeah. and going faster than they were designed to be built. So this advice was given to me shortly after my wheel broke off because the uh, axle had not been manufluxed by the guys taking care of my car. And I um, certainly survived, but another, uh, an allard hit me, and my car was all over the road. The funny thing is a corner worker ran up and said, you okay? And I said, do you see any blood? He said, <laughs> I don't see any blood. I think you're okay. And I, he said, well, as long as you're okay, he said, 
and my car was over like 30 yards of Lime Rock track, just destroyed, you know, two wheels left, body gone. He says, as long as you're okay, I watched that TV show you do, you know, the... <laughs> yeah. The, the road show. He said, you know, he said, he said, my mother has this table, and it's oh, got my, Oh, you're kidding me. That's <laughs> true story. <laughs> but anyway, that was not a short answer, sorry. But, That's you know, okay. That was a funny answer. Yeah, so important. Very, very important. Yes, I was in a race in Alola T290 and had a wheel fly off on me, and it's a very wow. scary occurrence. So uh, wow. in, in my case, it wasn't properly torqued. So uh, yeah, make sure your your fasteners are torqued and everything's magnafluxed for sure. Right. Would you share one of your personal habits with us that you think has contributed to your success over the years? Thank you for asking that question. I a personal habit, I think that keeping one's word and no matter what, no matter how painful... Uh, doing the right thing. When I say painful, financially or whatever, if, if the customer is always right, and they're not always right, of course, but you always act like they're right, you know? Yeah. And I think that it's really being true to your my word and honesty and being transparent are the, the other two things. How about a resource? Is there one resource in particular you think the Car Show listeners would really enjoy that you enjoy? I think uh, I was going to say the Hagee Index is great. Very helpful. It's the Historic Automotive Group International. Mm-hmm. Well, certainly, I'll tell you my favorite resource is just Hemming, is Hemmings. Uh, <laughs> yes, the Bible. <laughs> in our bathroom, there's a pile going back to 1971. You know, it's about it literally is about three feet high. So it's the bathroom reading and uh, up at my dad's house in, in Mohawk. That's, um, I think, a great source because you're constantly seeing what's available. And now they're doing a lot more online and uh, yeah. it'll be easier to get. But I think that one a resource that I'd really like to, to share is a, a book published by the um, Simeon Foundation. Yes, uh, we've, had Fred, we've had Fred on the show here. Oh, it's great. Well, Fred is one of our, my brothers and my heroes. He and Miles Collier are two of the leaders in the preservation effort. Mm-hmm. And um, that book, The Stewardship of Historically Important Automobiles, is just a wonderful book. Did he speak about the book? He did talk about that book, yes. Okay, yeah, it's a good. great book. Leslie and I were honored to write a chapter for the book. And, yeah. And uh, and that actually that grew out of a, a symposium that he did at his place. And I, I, I had a conflict, so I couldn't make it. And I sent a video that my friend did as if I were there, kind of saying, hi, Fred, thanks for inviting me. <laughs> nice. I'm sorry I can't be there. Yeah. And, uh, and then from that, that, that was, I think, the title of that symposium and came up with that book, and it was just great. Yeah. Great. Well, great book, so we'll put that on your listings. And I'll remind our listeners that you can find links to all these great resources that Lee shared with us today at carsyad.com slash Lee Kino. Also, there's a great place on the Cars yeah! website called Guest Recommended Books where we'll, we'll list this books. And I'm going to include Who Moved My Cheese on your favorite books as well. Because That's great. That's good. That's great. Yeah, it's a wonderful book. I bought that book for both my kids when they went off to school. Uh, and uh, it's kind of the, one of those books you go back to and read over and over again. All right, Lee, we're up to the checkered flag here. And this last question can be a real doozy. If you could only have one, I'm sorry, just one collector <laughs> car in your garage, but you can't sell it and buy a bunch of other cars with. So that little trick's off the table since I know you and your brother like to buy and sell stuff. But money's no object. Today, I'm going to raise my paddle high. I'm going to buy you whatever you'd like. What would that one vehicle be and why? Gosh, that's a, that is a great question. You know, it's easy to say something like a Ferrari GTO because it has great form, great mm-hmm. sculpture, and it's an incredibly successful car, uh, you know, and a fast car and so historic. But I think, gosh, I, I tell you, my 
one of my, I think my favorite car. That is really that is really tough. <laughs> I know it is. <laughs> yeah, actually, I, I, I tell you, I I'm just say the A3C Bizzarini because I absolutely love the rivets and the, the, the form of the body, and of course. The, but I think after all that, I'd say if uh, God I was going to say now, um, God, that's hard. That's a hard question. I know. <laughs> you, should, you should play this when people sit there where they're going through their head. You yeah, that's like, why I called it maybe. a doozy. <laughs> and it really is a doozy. Um, I think it'd be a probably a DB4 GT, probably. A DB4 GT, because I think that that car, you know, and a friend of ours, uh, Jim Freeman, has a great one with a great history, racing history. But the DB4 GT is just one of my favorite cars. Yeah. And um, really, because of its success on the racetrack, it, it's absolutely beautiful, the form. Yep. It's beautiful sculpture. It's it's really sculpture. Well, I think you've chosen a great car. You know, one of my favorite Ferraris is the 250 SWB. But the DB4 GT and, and in the Zagato body, ooh, there's another element there that just... Oh, gosh. I mean, yeah. Of course, uh, and Zagato is, of course, one of my favorite des- designers and, and as, uh, let's say, coach builders, I guess. But I, I just heard that Winston Goodfellow is doing a, a book on Zagato, which is uh, I yes. look forward to getting. Yeah, yeah Winston is going to be uh, uh, here, a guest here on Cars, yeah, in about a week or so. And uh-huh. uh, he talked about that book, so uh, can't wait for that book to come out. Well, you've made a great choice, my friend, the... What a wonderful car, the DB4 GT. I know that was tough, but uh, I always have to hold everybody to one. Otherwise, I'm going to have a, my past 377 guests calling me saying, why was Lee able to say one or two cars? And I had to say one. So I can't yeah. get all those phone calls. You have taken me on a great ride today, Lee, and I've really enjoyed you. your stories. You're welcome. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey and this new venture you and your brother Leslie and your team are involved in. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in your DB4 GT? One thing I'd love more people to do is to think twice before you restore a car and think how to restore that car because a lot of cars don't really need a full restoration. Leslie and I, our, our raison d'etre is preservation of automobiles and spreading the word that the old expression, I think it's it can only be original once. Yes. We live by, and I know Fred Simeone does and, and many other people, but think twice before that, ripping out that upholstery and putting new upholstery and or repainting or doing a nut and bolt restoration because what's the soul of the car, the heart of it is really, part of that is having the car show the life it's lived. And that doesn't mean having old brakes and an engine that doesn't work and, and all that. It means, it means having a drivable car something that can run and safely break and but leaving the outside of the engine doesn't have to be polished up and cleaned and made to look like a brand new engine you can leave the outside the patina there yeah. you can leave the the paint so what if there's a few cracks it's the original paint and the upholstery of course especially on when when a famous person drove a car i never can believe it when upholstery gets taken out when that person actually touched that upholstery or sat on it like, like sterling moss or something and why did they reupholster that they, they probably had a dna in it you know so. <laughs> well very well said and of course uh, words of a person who is so knowledgeable with antiques and history and just leave it there leave that patina there awesome and what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about your upcoming auction well, it's very nice of you to ask. Uh, just go to www.kinobrothers.com 
dot com. Our site's up, and we have the forty the forty cars that we're offering. So uh, it's very exciting. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything Lee has been so generous to share with us today at carsyad dot com. Just enter Lee L E I G H into the search bar. His show notes page will pop up with links. To the Kino Brothers auction that's coming up here, it's going to be an absolutely fantastic event. I encourage you to go and take a look at these cars, even if these are in a different level that you can afford. Look at the history, learn about them. It's like going to a museum, and and you can learn so much with the history they pulled up. Thank you. Thank you again for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your life experiences with antiques and cars with the listeners and with me. It's been so much fun. I'll be sure to raise my bidder's paddle high on November 19th. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!